Angels paint in ordinary colors. Angels speak in ordinary words. But we're drawn to their genius. Wisdom that is beauty never heard. And these may seem like simple conversations. These may just be simple things. Just a thought to share in passing. Or some rhyme a singer sings. But an angel beyond coincidence lands not even a minute late. Not a second early. Much more precise than fate. And all the things we do are skeletons. Just bones that have given a chance. Could come to life and duck and weave and move in some crazy dance. Dancing in my deepest soul. Dancing through my heart and mind. To twirl and twist my life around. Mysterious ways of a grand design. Oh, the extravagant detail of the everyday things we do. May you dance for me. And may I dance for you. We're in a series um, at the moment called Fruitfulness on the Front Line. It's from a book by Mark Green of that title. He's from the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. And we're looking at the moment to six things that he particularly brings out that might help us, whatever our front line is. And we'll be thinking about that during the communion. There'll be no music during the communion today. I'll be asking you to think of the front lines you will be on in the next week and to, in some ways, allow God to minister to us through the bread and wine as we ponder where we will be, what front lines we will find ourselves on in the week that's ahead. Green says there are six M's in this. It's a little contrived in places, I think, in the way he's written them, but they're useful. Modeling godly character, we looked at that, the fruit of the Spirit, just a couple of weeks ago. Today we're going to look at making good work. Then we'll be looking at ministering grace and love, molding culture, being a mouthpiece for truth and justice, being a messenger of the gospel. But today I want to look at the extravagant detail of the everyday things that we do. The things we'll do this week. Glance ahead in your mind at your diary and what might be in there. Work for many of us. Maybe early tomorrow morning. Maybe later today. Family. Maybe not just the family that you're with in the home that you've come from sitting around you now. But maybe other members of the family that you're going to have to engage with for various reasons that might be of joy Who knows, there might be birthdays coming up in the next week. That wasn't the script, but I couldn't resist it at that point. Um, 10.10, coming very soon. Or it might be visiting a friend, a family member in hospital. It might be all kinds of things that are happening on the front line of family life for you. Meetings. Clonard Fitzroy or some of the other things. Speaking of faith, some of the other things mentioned already in Fitzroy Family Focus. Might be a nice meal out with friends. Might be some appointment you have to make. Might be volunteering in church or in your community. It might be that coffee that you're having with someone. Or that game of golf. It might be, you know, Alec just did his first hole in one. 50 years in playing. On the front line one day recently out playing golf. Or it might be in the gym. Maybe first thing in the morning or last thing at night or whenever you do it. All the things that fill your life. 
front lines. The weak is filled with ordinary things. But don't lose the extraordinary detail of every last one of them. The way we do these things will make a difference for good or maybe for bad. And I'm reckoning if they make no difference, that may fall on the side of the bad. Meetings should never be neutral if we're living the way that we've been reading from Colossians chapter 3 today. How you speak to that person in a shop. Maybe the eye contact you make with that person in a shop. Just connecting. I, of course, use the cafes of Botanic, although I'm increasingly, because of the lack of parking, using the, the coffee shops on the Lisburn Road as my offices. So eventually, if you've engaged enough with these people, they know your order to start with. They ask questions. One said to me recently, Calvin College, I had it in my T-shirt. Have you studied there? I said, no, no. And we got chatting away. And Oh, God, yes. I believed in God and then I didn't believe in God and then I got back into church but now I've left it behind. I can't really believe in God. I find it hard to believe in God but I can't stop believing in the devil. And you're into a conversation just because for a few weeks you engage. Whether we leave the airplane toilet sink clean or not, whether we park on double, he's back on his double yellow lines, whether we hold the whole of the Lisburn up because we think it's more important that we can park there than the rest of the city can do what the rest of the city needs to do. Whether we let people out of the junction, whether we teach our class well, whether we live life in all its fullness in our work or our play. A quick glance at Colossians and we see that this is part of the detail of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. We did Colossians a few years ago. We um, used uh, Kismat and Walsh's Colossians Remixed. If you weren't around for that series, buy that book. It's a very interesting book. And I couldn't help this week as I was going over chapter 3, which I thought was really fitting for what we're looking at this morning, to link it with those words in chapter 1 that were so crucial to that entire series, that Walsh and Kismat feel that this book's written in that fight against empire where everywhere and in everything Caesar is around. The number of times in this book where Paul talks about all things and everything, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 17 that we read today. Verse 23 that we read today. Whatever you do, work it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance in the Lord, it is the Lord you are serving. There's this theme going through the whole letter that says everything's important. God is in the detail of everything. Discipleship is in the detail of everything. Everything you do this week, from throwing the sweaty towel in the right bin as you leave the gym, to how you prepare your class or how you prepare for your work, wherever it might be, it's all about serving God and others through that service. These are crucial verses in Colossians chapter 3. 
These are missional verses. They link so much with what we thought about in Galatians 5, about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. If you read through, read through them, it's about forgiving, bearing with one another. It's about peace. It's about the virtues of love. It's the detail of how we treat those on our front line. They are Monday transformational verses. They are people, people transformational verses. They are our vocation and calling. Let us think about the vocation of work for a moment. If we go right back to the start of Genesis, to find out what it is us humans were put here for. Those first chapters of Genesis give us a real picture of who God is, of who we are as human beings, and how we relate, and what has gone wrong with that. And right there in Genesis chapter 2, we find what it is to be human. God hasn't made woman yet, but he says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. It was after a short time that he realized that, my goodness, that could be a problem. He needs a companion who can sort out how he goes about it. Then he gave tasks, naming of the animals, caring for God's creation, work, vocation, part of who we are. Our relationship with God makes us workers for God that serve God, others, and tend to that which God is concerned about. And of course then, we lost it, did we not, through the fall. Something happened with vocations and jobs and front lines and what we do. But back to Colossians. And we find in that chapter one that I mentioned before, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. As we come around this table a little bit later on, we realize that this table is in order that we might be involved with God in bringing all things, all things, back into alignment with God and for his glory and his honor. I had a friend I used to do music weekends with. We would bring Christian musicians together and we would do some theology as well as some practical workshops. And I remember Andy once saying to the, uh, this Christian group of musicians, he said, you know, Christian musicians, and he wasn't saying it in an arrogant way, let me follow this through. He said, Christian musicians should be the best musicians in the world. Because of the advantages you have. If you're a young teenager. And you can play music. It's likely that probably because of our. Uh, maybe this is one of the. It's not negative or positive. But in Fitzroy. You're probably from a family that would maybe pay money. That you might get classes. That you might learn the trade. That you might do theory as well as practice. So that's probably where you would be from. If you were a young Christian. Certainly around South Belfast. In these days, then this was the crucial thing for Andy. You get the opportunity that many other young people don't to get to play with others, maybe in your youth fellowship band, or to form a band, or to jam, or to get to actually stand in front of congregations and perform. The Sounds Good Orchestra that we've had for many years here, from the age of seven and eight, given the opportunity to perform publicly in those kinds of ways. There's advantages in this whole kingdom thing, in this whole congregational thing, that really are of benefit 
to who we are and should give us just that little bit extra. Again, not in an arrogant way, but in a contributing way to the world we live in. I remember sending one of my interns down to Queens at the time of making poverty history. I said, get involved in that. It would be helpful for the church and for Christians to get involved in that campaign in the Students' Union. And when he came back, I said, how was that? He said, I'm the chair. I said, how can you be the chair? He said, well, nobody else had ever organized an event before. But I've been doing it since I was in youth club at 15 and 16. So I had all the skills and the gifts to be able to chair that event in Queen's Students' Union. And what of us? Tomorrow as we go into work, not in an arrogant way, folks. Please don't get this wrong in the way I'm trying to say it. But how should we be going into work or going to visit our families or going on to whatever front line it is with something a little bit more than everybody else because we're claiming this morning in these songs and in these prayers and in these readings and in gathering together that we are about something bigger than just getting a paycheck at the end of the week or a promotion at the end of a few years. Tomorrow where we go and what we do, we're saying that we're going to be part of God reconciling the whole world to himself. Now I know you're maybe sitting there saying, I'm not that excited about getting up tomorrow morning. Or there are appointments this week that I'm not looking forward to. There are people I have to meet that might not be easy. There are situations, I'm just going to go to the gym and work out. But think if we were doing everything, all that we say and do, in the name of Christ and for the purposes of Christ, to serve him and to serve others, what that would value added would be to what you contribute and I contribute this week to the city that we serve Christ in. Green talks about four things that come out of the the creation story that might help us if we're trying to work out, well, what would those things be this week that we might add in to our work or whatever? He talks about creating order. God creates order. And Green himself says that if you're a shelver, I don't know whether we have any shelvers, but uh, if you're a shelver, particularly if you're in a, uh, uh, one of those charity shops, if you could just put the CDs in a place that I can just glance down them. It saves me bringing them all out and setting them all down and trying to find out what CD I don't have and then piling them back. Things that shoe shop, having all the information in the right place so as people can see it. Ordering things was one of the things that God brings. One of the extravagant details that we could bring in. So you're not just putting it up there because you have to put it up there but you're putting it up in a way that's going to help others. Generating provision. God gives provision in the Garden of Eden and gives human beings the vocation of being those who would tend to that and make that happen. Education. Many of us give provision to those who need educated. Healthcare. There's many in here. When I was um, being interviewed for the job, I said, well, tell us what Fitzroy's like. And they said, well, if you're looking for a plumber, you might be struggling. But if you, if, if you fall over in the middle of the service, you'd probably get a nurse with you, a GP quickly, and then probably a consultant would have you on the communion table. An operation would be done, and before the benediction, you'd be as good as gold. It's one of those human provisions that Fitzroy does. Justice. Many of you involved in those kinds of things. But whatever it is, it might be the secretary in an office. It might be the person who answers the phone. Uh, Whatever it is that we're doing, we're helping to provide this world that we live in or be in the chain of that with those things that are needed. And here's one that I think is important. 
in a world where capitalist business is the god of the age, we need those who use their gifts to generate provision and prosperity, not just for shareholders' greed, but for world justice needs. There's one of the ways that we can be those who generate provision in a kingdom way. Green says that the other thing that's brought into that garden is this sense of joy, a positive atmosphere that can transform a space. That's what we're hoping to do around here. For years, if you came to that blue door out the back, it wasn't exactly the most warming, here's the love and grace of God. Because then when you opened that big blue door, it wasn't even very much more ambient or enticing once you get in there. Those things are so important. The joy that we bring, the beauty that we bring to bear into situations, the ambience, the atmosphere. I was amazed. I tried my best at McCracken to go buy the Presbyterian book. I tried my best to do all these things. And when it came to them thanking me, all they could talk about was my humor. And yet I realized that when the moments got tense, that was what I nervously went for. But it changed the atmosphere. Joy. Bringing a little bright smile. Bringing a different perspective to your place of front line this week might change a lot of stuff. I used to have a doctor whose sister sits down the back. Rose's brother used to be my doctor. He brought this to bear. When you went to see Jonathan, I went to see him at times even if I wasn't sick, just to go out a wee bit more joyful. Because he brought that pastoral, smiling, joyful something that didn't just give you the tablets or the inhaler you needed, but added something to the day. There are lots of people on our front lines this week that just need a little bit of joy or positive perspective as they meet with us. And that creating beauty, Calvin Zerfield in a book called Rainbows for a Fallen World talks about how his study was just a mass of books. I can relate to that, maybe not so much order in that in many of us. But he said his wife used to come in and just put a vase with a flower right in the middle of the table. And he said that changed everything. Because it brought something into the situation. And that's what we're hoping our builders will do. But you could just add that little dimension tomorrow. Bringing beauty. Bringing joy. Bringing order. Generating provision to the world around. I want to close by something I thought about this week for something else and I didn't get using it. So I might as well throw it into you. Because I think it is brilliant. End to End All Wars. Have you seen that movie? If you haven't seen To End All Wars, you need to see End All Wars. Now, I warn you, it comes with a bit of a... It's a violent movie. It's, um, it's actually The Bridge Over the River Kwai retold, almost. Um, it's the story of Ernest, Ernest Gordon, who became eventually... Uh, did he become president of Princeton, I think, at one stage? Um, and he was a prisoner of war uh, in, in the Far East, and he was in a brutal concentration camp. It is a brutal movie, violent to moments where you really have to not even watch the screen. In the midst of this brutality, they decided to do something in order to almost pass the time. And they found a Bible. And they decided to read the Bible almost as an educational thing, more than a spiritual thing. But they discover in this Bible something much more. They find a spiritual 
renewal, conversion. And as they're reading it in this situation, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, they decide that they've got to live what it says. So when it comes to love your enemies in the most brutal of concentration camps, they ask themselves, what does this mean now? It doesn't all go smoothly and some people refuse to go with them in this loving your enemy thing. But some of them do it. They're building the bridge over the River Kwai. They're building this train track. And so what they decide to do is, they decide that as a result of this Christian teaching and this Jesus that they're now following, that they will work harder than their guards want them to work. And they finish the train track faster than they were asked to do. And it changes many things, not overnight. But it melts what the guards think of them, not overnight. It's still a torture story in places. But in giving 1010 work, work in all its fullness in a concentration camp, they brought something to bear that changed things. None of us are in a concentration camp tomorrow, I hope. Maybe it feels like that sometimes if you're the minister in Fitzroy, but not every day. What is it that is not even being demanded of us? What are we being invited by the gracious, all-powerful God to be involved in tomorrow? To go into those front lines, those places that maybe are not just the most exciting or happy or dynamic places. And to change the world by the extravagant detail of the gospel of Jesus. A 19th century preacher said, men and women must work. That is as certain as the sun. But we may work grudgingly or we may work gratefully. We may work as people or as machines. There is no work so rude that we may not exalt it. No work so impassive that we may not breathe soul into it. No work so dull that we might not enliven it if we understand that what we are doing is service for our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not human master, since you know that you will receive an inheritance in the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. Oh, the extravagant detail of the week ahead through Fitzers. Let's pray. Lord, take us into those places that we maybe go just by habit, not even thinking. And help us this week to not just ask ourselves what we can do, but by an infusing of your Holy Spirit, that we would be those that would bring order, provide, bring joy, bring beauty. And that in serving God, and the extravagant details of our ordinary lives, your kingdom would come on our front lines as they are in heaven. Amen.